I want to encourage you to go to the book of Luke. Go to the book of Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. As it, 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 as it is a cost, custom in our church, we have Bibles available for those that don't have Bibles. We also have notebooks for those that want to take notes. So either on our, the sides here in our sanctuary or you could go right behind those double cameras back there. We would love to gift you a Bible and notebook so you can uh, not just listen to the word but take this word home with you. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22 verses 24 through 27. Does everybody got it? All right. It says like this and I'm going to read out of the CEV version. It says, the apostles got into an argument about which one of them was the greatest. So let me give you a little background. So Jesus had just been, he did communion. How many have ever seen that, that painting of Jesus sitting in the middle and then the disciples are sitting with him? You know, that's, that, was, that was the last supper. Jesus had just had supper with them and told them that he was going to die as a ransom for humanity. And then all of a sudden they start arguing about who's the greatest. Literally right in front of him saying, all right, so he's going to die. So which one of you or me is going to be the greatest? So Jesus told them, foreign kings order their people around and powerful rulers call themselves everyone's friends. But don't be like them. The most important one of you should be like the least important and your, your leader should be like a servant. I'd like to pray with you. And just believe God to speak into our hearts today. We've worshipped and given our worship to Jesus. And now let's ask God through his Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, we bless you and we thank you. We give you this time. And Lord, we ask you to speak through your word to us. That we may be influenced by your word. That we may be inspired by your word. And that we may leave so much better than how we came. We're believing for restoration and transformation and healing and miracle to happen in every area of our lives. So those that are here and those that are watching online... And we ask you this in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, if you love Jesus, can you let go of your Bible and just give a five-second praise break to him? Come on, celebrate him today. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Amen. If you are here for the first time and you've never had a chance to listen to me, I sometimes get rowdy. I promised myself that I would teach today, but usually it doesn't work. So... Um, if I get rowdy, don't mind. In fact, if I do get rowdy, just throw me, throw me a hanky or just encourage me through your, through your uh, devouring of the Word of God. Because I cook better when, when people just hum and make sounds and, 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 and let God know that they're appreciating the Word. Amen? We're in the series called What is Love? And the world describes love in many ways. Uh, the world, many, in many ways, gets what love confused with what is infatuation. The world, in many ways, does not know what love is. In fact, somebody one time got an Oscar and said that love is love. And there's no way that love can be love. Because love is a person. See, love is the definition of a person. In fact, John says that God is love. Therefore, love cannot be love. Because to say that love is love is to say that a definition is a definition and that there is no root word. But there is a root word and it's not just a word, it's a person, it's God. So the world may be confused on what love is, but we should never be confused on what love is because we know who love is. 
We know that God is love, and that's expressed in so many different ways. It's expressed through our relationships. It's expressed through our acts of kindness. It's expressed through, through us just loving on people and showing the character of God in our lives to them. And then there's languages of love. Have you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? And if you're like me, there's a couple that really stand out. Maybe yours is uh, you just like quality time. That's me means she loves quality time. That's my wife. She loves to just go out and sightsee and hang out and talk and hold hands. And um, she loves that. That's quality time. Mine is words of affirmation. I love words of affirmation. I love for somebody to tell me, that shirt looks good on you, even though me and Pastor Kevin are wearing the same one. So somebody, actually Woodsy, this, this morning in the green room went to Pastor Kevin and said, Pastor Kevin, you look real nice today. And I went up to Woodsy and said, but I'm wearing the same outfit, bro. <laughs> right? So words affirmation is one. The other one for me is um, acts of service. Acts of service. I like to be served. But the funny thing about that is that Mimi and I, that's both one of our love languages. So we like to be served. So sometimes we get confused in serving each other because I want her to serve me and she wants me to serve her. And so we got to take turns in serving each other until we get the language right. But today we want to talk about acts of service when it comes to what love is. And it's easy for us to confuse that with acts to be saved. And we don't do acts to be saved because we're saved by grace, right? Jesus paid the price for us to be saved. But it's through the works of faith that we develop our character in Christ Jesus. So, so, so faith without works is dead. But it's not the work that makes us saved. It's through the work that we do for Christ that we recognize more of who he is in us. And more of me dies so that more of him may increase. And so we want to talk about that today and just get to know what it is to love people through serving people. And one of the things I love about the DNA of our church is that we're loving people, we're reaching people, we're equipping people. But Sundays is a big day for us. But not only Sunday is a big day and a value for us, but serving is a big value for us as well. Small groups is a big value for us as well, and we're going to hear a lot more of that as we go into next month. But I want to really emphasize on a church that serves, and I've named today's sermon God's Guide to Greatness. God's Guide to Greatness. In today's world, everybody wants to be great. Everybody's looking for that goat status, and, and, and greatness will be determined not by the world's standards. It will be determined by God's standards in his word. And uh, I did some research on this, and nowadays you can self-promote yourself, right? Through social media, through TikTok, through uh, Instagram, through Facebook. No pun intended, if you're watching through social media, do not turn this off. Keep watching because this is, uh, God's going to bless you today. But there's so many different platforms where you can promote yourself nowadays. And, and what I've realized is that, um, that the world has now accepted self-promotion. In fact, Forbes did an article calling it the six ways to get your work discovered. There was another article that talks about self-promotion, a skill, and 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. So this is a real thing. You can actually do this. This is actually self-marketing. You could really put yourself out there. And, and if we're not careful as a church body, we can take that same approach when it comes to the kingdom. 
And we're not called to self-promote ourselves. We're called to promote the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, you can celebrate that. Because every platform that God has given us is a platform to glorify Him and not to glorify ourselves. Because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So our platform is the cross. And I am dead to my sin. I am dead to my works. I am dead to who I was. And all that should ever shine is Jesus through me. Now, the upcoming generation is getting a different approach of this. In fact, half of the teens uh, in this generation look to be famous. They want to be famous. And they want to be YouTube stars or they want to be TikTok stars. And I've tried to learn the TikTok dances. I, I can't get it right. My kids make fun of me. I'm just that corny dad that does all the, you know, all the, <laughs> I do it all wrong. <laughs> I do it all wrong. But, but, but th in this generation, kids want to be famous. They want to have followers. They want to be great in so many different ways. I saw another statistic that says that 54% of this upcoming generation would like to be a celebrity. But if you spoke with a celebrity, they would tell you that there's nothing great of their celebrity because they have no privacy. See, the greater light you chase is the light that will eventually burn you. Because if you cannot handle the light of what it takes to be public and to be open at all times, then you're not ready for what comes with it. You know, it was Pablo Picasso that at one moment, he, he did over, over 500 uh, works of art that were worth millions of dollars. And one day he was sitting at a coffee shop, and as he was sitting in this coffee shop, uh, it, the story tells us that a girl came up to him and recognized him at the coffee shop and said, are you Pablo Picasso? And he said, I am. She says, can you draw something for me? Can you paint something for me? And, and she gave him a napkin, and, and he took the napkin, and he began to draw. And as he was drawing with this chalk pen that he just so happened to have in his pocket, he's drawing it and drew it in less than five minutes and gave it to her. And he said, here you go. This is worth $1 million. And she says, this is worth $1 million? He said, that's worth $1 million. She took it. She ran with it. She got it appraised. It was worth $1 million. She went to the same coffee shop a week later, and he was sitting there drinking his coffee. She goes up to him and says, teach me your ways. Teach me how to make a $1 million painting or drawing. He said, do you still have the napkin with you? And she says, I do. And she took it out of his, her pocket. And she gave it to him. And he took it from her hand, and he ripped it up in pieces and threw it away. And she said, why did you do that? He said, because you're asking for me to give you for free what took me 40 years to learn. What I'm trying to say with that is that we want instantaneous success without going through process. We, we want the limelight without being hidden in process. And God wants us to learn that when we, if we aspire for greatness, it's going to take seasons of humbleness and of hiding and in being in the dark. Because what you do in the dark, says the Word of God, will be shined in public. And God wants our good works to shine, but sometimes people will never see you. Sometimes when people will never see you feeding that homeless person. Sometimes people will never see you donating that money or that gift to the church to do missions. People will never see it, but it doesn't matter if they don't see it because God sees it. And as long as he sees it, that's all that matters. I love how Matthew chapter 23 verse 11 
Jesus tells the disciples that the greatest among you will be a servant. The greatest among you will be a servant. And nowadays, everybody wants to be the goat. We just saw the Super Bowl, and, and, and somebody in particular was named the goat. And you may say, well, what's a goat? Well, the goat is the greatest of all time. And there, there may be debate, and we can probably sit around uh, a man cave and talk about who's the greatest basketball player. Is it Jordan or is it LeBron James? We could talk about uh, who's the greatest quarterback. Is it, is it Tom Brady? Is it, is it Namath? Who's the greatest? And, and you may say that it's Brady. But the world determines greatness by outward works of private work. But we must understand that greatness comes when we humble ourselves to be more like Jesus. Amen? Now, I think servanthood has a bad annotation in the kingdom or in the church world because we think that servanthood is tied to being a slave or the world may think of servanthood as why would you want to go serve and do that for free? Is there anything that you get out of it? When it comes to the kingdom, what you get out of it is self-fulfillment of serving other people and in doing so, you feel better about your walk with Christ, right? But I pose the question, what is the greatest calling in the kingdom of God? What is the greatest calling? Is it apostle? Is it apostle? Is it, is it pastor? Is it prophet? Is it all these names before a name? Is it all these titles before a name? Well, I can tell you this, that the apostles tell us what is the greatest title. The apostles, the 12 apostles tell us what is the greatest title. In Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle. In, in Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. James 1.1, James, and, and, and uh, James was Jesus' half-brother. It took a lot for, <laughs> for James to put away the personal side of seeing Jesus growing up and then call himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. These are all books that start, they're being written by these men of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they recognize that what they are doesn't determine, that what they are determines what they do. That their identity is in who they are in Christ, and then comes the title, and then comes the position. So you may be a registered nurse, you may be a doctor, you may be an engineer, you may be a pastor, but before any of those names, we are servants. Servants of the all-high God that we love and we serve. In fact, Jesus doesn't consider himself any further. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, being a very nature of God, Jesus took the very nature of a servant. So that we can, we can learn today that we are called to serve. And I would even add and say that we have been anointed to serve. Every single person here, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for 40 years, God has anointed us not for a title. God has anointed us not for a position. God has anointed us to serve. Somebody celebrate him in this place. Look at somebody and tell him, tell him, you may not know it, but I serve him. We recently celebrated his birthday, but one of the people that I admire the most is Dr. Murphy. Martin Luther King. 
I admire him because of what he went through to accomplish his dream. The things that he fought against to accomplish that dream. And one of my favorite quotes that he says is, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. I love that because we all get an opportunity to be great. We all get an opportunity to be more like Christ if we only have a heart to serve other people. That we go from being a consumer of the gospel to be a contributor of the gospel. That we don't adopt the, the system of this world in, in consuming and taking in and taking in, but we take the, 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 the culture of the kingdom of what God has given us by grace, we give right back out to those that need it most. So I ask you the question, what would others say that you are always doing? What would people say that you're always doing? When, when we were leading our church and we were leading youth, we always had youth over and my kids were very little and there was a couple of times where we had some of the youth living with us for certain seasons and uh, I remember one in particular time we had a young adult that she was living with us and Alex and Manny were very small. Alex, you just saw him on stage just a little minute ago. And Mimi and I can be very affectionate um, at home. We could be very affectionate. And she was like, wow, you guys are like, you guys are always like hugging each other. You guys are always like showing affection to each other. And Alex goes, get used to it because they're always doing that. <laughs> what are you always doing? What is it that people would say that you're always doing? What would people, she's always what? He's always what? Are you always encouraging somebody? Are you always griping and complaining? Are you always looking for somebody's faults? Are you always looking and for finding the good in people? Are you always working? Are you always playing video games? Are you always working out? Not a bad thing to work out, but are you always doing it? Are you always doing business? Are you always looking for opportunities to share Jesus? Are you always on social media? What do you... What do people know you as? What are you always doing? What is it that people would say that you're always doing? If, if you were to pass away today and, and this week was your funeral, what would people say about you? Would they say, what would they say? She was always. He was always. Well, let's look at Acts chapter 9, verse 36, because there was a woman that was always doing something, and her name was Tabitha. And the Bible tells us that in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which her name in the Greek means Dorcas, if there's any uh, parents here that are looking to name their next child. I'm just saying, Dorcas is a name that you can, I'm kidding. <laughs> Tabitha is much better. <laughs> the Bible says that Tabitha was always doing good and helping the poor. She was always what? Doing good and helping the poor. I like that because what, the, what we learned from Tabitha is that she was always sewing clothes and helping the widows that were in need. She found her niche. She found what she was good at, and she did it well. There was a moment where she would pass away, and Peter would come to the house, and the Bible says that she, she resurrected and came back to life, and it brought many people to Jesus. But what I love about Tabitha is that she was always doing 
good. My prayer for Calvary Orlando is that when people think about Calvary Orlando, they may say, well, Calvary is always serving people. Calvary is always looking to see people saved. Calvary is always encouraging from the pulpit. Calvary is always helping people find their purpose. Calvary is always loving, reaching, and equipping. Calvary is always... My prayer is that they can say about you as a mom or as a dad, as, as a homemaker, as an engineer, that you're always looking to do the best you can in the marketplace and in community and in our city so that people can know who he is. What are you always doing? Instead of always serving ourselves, we need to learn how to be selfless, to give ourselves away every single day to people, to give ourselves away because if we give ourselves away, he will take care of filling, of filling us again. I've realized that in my life, that when I give myself away, my vessel is ready to receive more of him again. And since we are a spirit-filled church, although you have been baptized, we should seek the filling of the Holy Spirit every single moment and every single day. I can't live off of yesterday's oil. I need a fresh anointing for today. I need a fresh anointing for this season. I need a fresh anointing for this week. I need a fresh anointing for the assignment that God is giving us as we head into Easter that we may see hundreds and hundreds of people know who Jesus is, but we can't do it off in old oil. We need to release what we have so that God could give us more. I ask you the question, how do we become faithful in serving? You may say, well, Pastor Manny, I don't got much to give. Pastor Manny, you don't know me. I, I, don't, I don't have much to offer. I'm, I'm just, I just love coming to church. Well, I want to tell you, and I want to give you some examples of people in the Bible that you would think that, they, that what they did was small. But what it did was it opened up a greater door for God's greatness in them. So I want to share three things that I chose. I could have chose a whole lot more, but we would be here until 6 o'clock tonight. But I, I found three things, and I got them with me. I have, I have with me a basket, I have with me a lift sign because I couldn't get a car up here. I know that Pastor Kevin and Pastor Maria had the Back to the Future car up here, but that took a lot of work and I couldn't get that ready in four days. Eric would have killed me. And then I have a towel. I have a towel. I have a basket. I have a lift sign. I have a towel. I want to talk to you about how we're, God is calling us to carry a basket, how God wants us to offer a ride, and how God wants us to carry a towel. I want to show you different ways of how God used different people so that he can be glorified. The first thing I want to say is carry a basket. If you're taking notes, write that down. Carry a basket. Before we ever knew of a King David, before we ever knew of a war hero, before we ever knew of a brave king, before we ever knew of the man after God's own heart and that rose to notoriety, after fighting the great Goliath, he was loved, honored, and women sang songs about him. In fact, when he defeated Goliath and he was walking, they were parading and women were saying that Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And they were doing TikTok dances to it. I don't know if they were doing that. But they were singing songs to him and celebrating him because he was able to be this great, great warrior, this great leader. But what we don't sometimes realize is that it all started with a basket. It all started with a basket. 
Because in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 17 through 18, it says like this, and it's going to be up there for you. It says, one day Jesse said to David, now David is his eighth son, the youngest son. The rest of the, the brothers are out in war fighting against the Philistines, but this younger son stays behind. But his father would send him and say, take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. The Bible says that David showed up at the Valley of Elah with the basket or what he found himself with after serving his father to go serve his brothers was that there was a great threat against the people of God. And in seeing the great threat against the, the people of God, he saw the opportunity that God was giving him to defeat and fight against this man that was coming against the people of God. And you know the rest of the story because you know that he grabbed five stones, stood in the middle of that valley, he ran towards Goliath, and Goliath came down, and he cut the head of this giant, and he had the victory. We know that story, we can celebrate it, and it preaches very well, but I want to tell you that before there was a great sword, before there was a sling with five stones, before there was an army that was trying to put on him, there was a young boy simply going in obedience to his father with a basket. We can sometimes take for granted the small opportunities that God is giving us, not realizing that that small opportunity may open up a greater door of greatness in Christ Jesus. What I also want to tell you is that many people would rather have the valley of Elah before ever having the basket. And God is telling you today that before you can ever have the valley, before you can ever have the victory, are you willing to be hidden? And are you willing to carry a basket? Let me break it down even more, can I? We're already here and we're already enjoying what God is saying. Before you can ever have a mic, can you carry and can you mop? Because many of us say, I'm called to preach. I have the preacher voice and I have the word of God. But can you serve? Can, can you do something great for God in the minimal things? And what, what you call minimal in the kingdom of God may just be great. God wants to choose people like you and I to do great things in small ways. I love that because we all want to be great. We all want to be significant. But it's in doing the insignificant things that God always sees us and God will always promote us. God will always take care of promoting us if we rely on him and trust him in the process. So tell somebody, bring a lunch. Bring a lunch. And your basket may look different in different ways. Maybe, I don't know what your basket looks like. It doesn't look like this one. But I don't know what your basket is, but God is asking you to carry a basket to serve other people. The next thing that I want to tell you is that offer a ride. Offer a ride. It was prophesied that Jesus would have the triumphal entry over 500 years before it happened. In the book of Zechariah, it tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, would enter into Jerusalem on a donkey. And, 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 and in that prophecy being said, it was fulfilled because somebody was willing to gift Jesus a new donkey. Somebody was willing to give Jesus a lift. And in giving Jesus that lift, 
Jesus was able to enter into Jerusalem to start that week that would change the world forever. How do we know that somebody was willing to gift him that? Well, let's look at the word of God in Luke chapter 19, verse 31. When Jesus sends his disciples to get this donkey, he tells them, you're going to go to this place, you're going to go around the corner to that block, and you're going to see a donkey that's tied up. It wasn't Jesus' omniscience in that moment. It was Jesus just knowing that somebody had prepared a donkey for him because he planned to go in. We know that because he tells them, when you get there, if anybody asks, look what he said, if anyone asks you, why are you untying and say that the Lord needs it? Which lets us know this, that the donkey belonged to someone else, but the owner of the donkey knew Jesus. He knew him more than master. He knew him more than just a teacher. He knew him as Lord. And he was willing to gift Jesus this on. This, this donkey that had never been ridden before so that Jesus could now enter into Jerusalem. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have preferred to come in a Cadillac. I would have preferred to come inside of a, 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 of a Tesla. I would have preferred to come in something much greater than a donkey. But Jesus chose a donkey because he had to fulfill prophecy. He had to fulfill the prophecy. But my question to you today is what are you willing to gift Jesus that will make a way for Jesus to accomplish his purpose. So not only God is calling us to carry a basket, but what is it that God is asking you to give? What is it that God is asking you to gift? And it can't be something you've used before. It has to be something that's never been used before. Because if we're willing to do so, I don't know about you, but if it would have been my donkey and I would have saw Jesus coming down that, that hill, I would have said, you see that donkey right there? You see that donkey? That, that's my donkey. You see the hooves on that donkey? I mean, I polished them up so Jesus can use it. I, I, I washed the donkey so that Jesus can ride it. I got the donkey ready so Jesus can use it. And my question to you is, what is, what is it that God wants you to give up so that he can use? What, what's the gift that God wants to use so that he can be glorified? What is it that God has given you that should be given away? So you want to bring a lunch, you want to... Offer a ride, and has, have you ever ri ridden on a? Have you ever ridden on a, on a Lyft or on an Uber? Anybody? Yeah. Usually, uh, the, the driver owns the car, and he offers you a ride. And usually, if he's a good Uber or Lyft driver, he has nice little mints. Or if he's real special, he has peanut butter cups. That's the that's the Ubers I like. Times I've gotten them up north and gotten in a. In an Uber or Lyft, they got, they got the right candy. They got the right chocolate. And then I can give them all five stars. I'll rate them depending on how they treated me. Let me, let me ask you a question. Will you let Jesus ride you? And how will you treat him if he rides you? How will you treat him? Because I don't know about you, but I want to I wanna carry him all the way down. And I want to carry him all the way in. And although I don't get the glory, he's getting the glory on me. Okay, let me, let me break this down for a second. Let me break this down. You see, the donkey was used so that it could fulfill prophecy but also bring Jesus down. But my question is, did the donkey have any glory at all besides carrying the all-glorified Christ? Are you willing to let Jesus sit on you and let him to get the glory? 
You may not get the affirmation. You may, not make it, you may not get the accolades. But what's important is he's on me. And as long as he's on me, I will glorify him. And I will serve him. And I will love him. Now don't leave here saying, Pastor Manny called me a donkey. That's not what I called you. Number three, my last one, is carry a towel. What I love about the story of Jesus is that we just read that he had supper with them. He prepared a room with them. And in preparing this room, he, he ate with them and told them what the new covenant would be. He told them how things would go about. He also declared who would, who would, uh, who would reject him and who would betray him. But and then they started talking. And they started saying, well, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? Who, after all this is over, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus heard the conversation and said, guys, come over here. What are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about greatness? And, and, and I could hear John saying, well, I'm the greatest because I'm the one that loves you the most. I'm the beloved. I'm the beloved. I'm the one that, that has the ability and I can get close enough to put my head on your chest and just lay it there so somebody can paint me. I'm the beloved. I'm, and then I can hear Peter saying, well, wait, 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 wait. You're not the greatest. I'm the greatest. Did you walk on water, bro? Did you walk on water? I don't think so. I'm the one that walked on water. I walked with him. And then I can hear John saying, well, you fell, bro. You remember when you went down? You went all the way down. You sank. He had to bring you back out. You couldn't do it right. And then all of a sudden Bartholomew comes out and he's like, wait a minute, I'm the greatest. And then John and Peter are like, who are you? I didn't even know you were in the room. And so as they're going through all this process of who's the greatest, Jesus is undressing and getting a towel. As they're debating about their self-image, as they're debating about who they think they should be, Jesus is undressing himself of him. And I feel the presence of God because what Jesus was doing, not only naturally, but he had done it spiritually, undressing himself of all glory, Isaiah says. He came down to be just like one of us. As he undressed himself, he took a towel and wrapped it around himself and then knelt down and began to wash feet. Now, you may think, well, that's Jesus. He does stuff like that. Well, let me, let me break down culturally what was going on here. In today's culture, if I came and, and, and I invited people to my house, let's say I invited Courtney and Claude to come over. In today's culture, the moment they come into the house, usually... In my home, Mimi does a great job in hosting and preparing the place, but I like to, I like to just host and just say, hey, guys, how you guys doing? Thanks for coming. So glad you guys are here. Come on in. Come on. Come on in. And you guys come in. And you got, can I take your coat? Can I take your jacket? Right? That's, that's custom. That's, that's being cordial. That's being, and you want something to drink? You want something to drink? You'll never hear, you'll never hear me say, hey, Claude, can I give you a pedicure? <laughs> right? Just not, it's not, just not in our culture for me to offer, hey, can I wash your feet? Right? But it was in that time for the Jewish people because in every home you had a servant. And in that, the moment visitors would come to the house because the hospitality is a big thing in the Middle East. The moment you came to somebody's house, that servant would wash everybody's feet. But here's what's, what was going on in that place. These 12 guys had proud hearts. 
and dirty feet. Yeah. They had proud hearts and dirty feet. And as they're arguing on who's going to be the greatest, the greatest takes off his clothes and begins to wash feet. And in washing feet, he's demonstrating to them what it is to be great in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you today that God is in this place, and it doesn't matter how much dirt you came with. It doesn't matter how much dirt you're carrying. It doesn't matter where you came from and what you walked through. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is willing to bow down before you and wash it all away. That's just what he does because he's great. He's the goat. He's the greatest of all time, and he's willing to bow down and wash your feet. My friends, my brothers and my sisters, I want to tell you today, are you willing to carry a towel to help people know who Jesus is so that then Jesus could wash their sins away? Are you willing to carry a basket? Are you willing to give somebody a ride? Are you willing to carry a towel to help people know how much the blood of Jesus washes all sin away? You see, God wants to do that in our life. God wants us to go from having selfish hearts and proud hearts to having clean hearts and, and clean feet. In fact, it was Peter that said, well, no, 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 I'm not worthy of you washing my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, let me tell you, I'm not, you're not worthy to be with me. Jesus said, then wash my whole body. Well, just, just bathe me completely. And Jesus said, it's not necessary to wash the whole body. Just wash where you came from. Just wash away what you've walked through. And I want to say it again. I don't know how, what you're walking through. I don't know what you've walked through. But it doesn't intimidate Jesus. It doesn't intimidate Jesus. I got to share a story. This is not even in my outline. Um, recently, part of doing quality time with my wife, um, I've decided to go with her to get pedicures. I'm really, Mimi, this takes a lot of courage. But I've gone with her to accompany her, and I've li I like it. I do. I like it. I like it. But I was intimidated to go. I'm going to tell you why. Because Mimi loves me from the top of my head to the bottom of my ankles. And I was intimidated to, to, get, to get a pedicure, but I realized that the lady was not intimidated by my feet. She just started going in and going in and going in and going. I was like, that, you don't mind? That, does, that, that doesn't bother you there? It doesn't, she didn't bother her at all. She, didn't, she was not bothered by the ugliness of my feet because she realized I'm doing what I am getting paid to do. When it comes to the kingdom of God, we don't do it for what we get paid to do. We do it because we're called to do it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how ugly it gets. It doesn't matter how ugly and dirty it gets. We don't mind doing it because if Jesus, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings was willing to do it, why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the living water. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the true vine. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the, the stone. Jesus, the King of glory. Jesus, the Prince of peace. Jesus, the great high priest. The righteousness of God. The chosen one. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. The Alpha and Omega. Our sanctification. Our rock. Our righteousness. Knelt down 
and washed feet. And if he did it yesterday, if he did it 2,000 years ago, he's still doing it today. And we should too. We should too. So bring a lunch, offer a ride, carry a towel. Because when you serve others, you're serving Christ. Amen. I want to finish with this. I want to finish with this. You may say that you can't do much in the kingdom of God. And I defer and tell you you can. I want to tell you just a few people that I know in this church that make a huge difference in the small things that they do. When I think of people like Nancy Couch, that is a small business owner together with her husband that's an elder in our church. She runs full administration of this painting business, but then she comes on Sundays and serves children. And she loves it. And she's good at it. But she doesn't let her business take away from her business with God. She doesn't let her busyness in her company take her away from serving children that need to know who Jesus is. And I love that because Nancy is a servant that loves serving God. I think about people like Tom and Natalie. They recently moved down from New York City. And Tom is a bookkeeper for a nonprofit that helps men come out of addiction. And Natalie had recently... Uh, gotten her doctorate's degree in medicine. But they serve every week with Pastor, uh, with Pastor Izzy. And they help these people that come to starting point to give their lives to Jesus. And they begin the process of them getting discipled to the process of getting baptized. And if you would have saw Natalie's face and if you would have saw Tom's face on the day that we baptized 68 people, you would have seen tears in their eyes. Because you would have seen that they worked while nobody was watching. They were calling and texting while nobody was watching. And a lot of the people that were baptized were people they were directly in connection with. But they didn't let their business in New York City and their education of doctoral uh, uh, practice get in the way of serving people. When I think of people like Gio and Shakita, Gio worked for many years in Disney and during the pandemic got furloughed. But he didn't stop serving the homeless. He didn't stop serving the people in need. And Shakita got pregnant in the process as well. But they've been consistently serving. And in May of this year, Gionis is going to be certificate as a licensed minister of the Assemblies of God. When I think of people like Manny and Mary Gilliam, that for many, 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 many years they were serving and coming in at 5 a.m. in the morning on Sundays to cook meals for our homeless ministry. And now they're doing it in different areas of ministry as well. But they don't just do it here. Anytime they see a homeless person, they're asking them and evangelizing to them in any traffic light because they love helping people in need. And it's people like this, this that continuously and consistently make a difference. When I think of people like Courtney and I think of people like Claude, I could see people that are called to be ministers. And I remember when she was working as doing marketing and these people don't even know I'm doing this, by the way. I'm just shouting them out real quick. But it's important that I say this because it's the people that we never see here that are doing the great work out there. But Courtney and Claude, for many years they've been serving. And Courtney in particular was working for a marketing company. And she was doing a great job, but she got furloughed. And she eventually didn't have that job and became now a full-time homemaker, which is a full-time job, by the way. But she didn't stop just being a full-time homemaker. She comes here on Wednesdays. And she helps young girls find purpose in our youth ministry. She comes and serves on Sunday mornings and helps with our greeters. Because even though all of these things have happened and all of these things continue to happen, it doesn't take away the call to serve. When I think of Becky and George Hernandez, this same time last year, we did a huge 
outreach to our city through for Easter, giving over over 100,000 meals on an Easter during the pandemic. We saw over three or 400 people come to serve that Easter Sunday. But that Easter Sunday, as George was serving, he didn't know what was going on in his body. And as he left this event, which was a great success, and we saw many people changed, and as he was serving and putting groceries in cars, he had a very, very savage heart attack. The doctor say, said he wouldn't make it. The doctor said he wouldn't speak again. The doctor said that he would never be the same again. What really inspires me is that Becky, which works for Orange County Public Schools, and she's been doing that for two decades, every Sunday she's here. In fact, she led worship today. But after that happened, on that Easter Sunday, the next Sunday, Becky was back on stage. And Becky was singing. And Becky was worshiping. And you may say, but how does that... How does that happen? Why is she doing that? Why, is she, why isn't she with her husband? And it's because she realizes and she knows that in serving God, God is fulfilling and God is filling and God is just taking those empty areas and helping her cope through the process. I say all this because I believe that just like all these people that I've mentioned, there's many more all over this room. But if you're in this room and you haven't gotten an opportunity to serve and you haven't found a place to serve in this church, you're missing out on the greatest opportunity that God wants to give you because greatness comes through serving other people. So today I encourage you. Today I exhort you. If you want to be like Jesus, carry a basket. Offer a ride carry a towel. Watch how your life will change. Watch how our church will change. When we adopt a culture of love and we adopt a culture of serving. Because if we serve people, we're serving God. And we're serving Him with greatness. God's guide to greatness is serving others. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.